Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. And welcome, everybody, to another episode of My Independence Report. It is Friday afternoon. It is the 5th of February. I hope everybody's well, and uh, it's a really good day to be alive. It's sunny here in Seattle. Uh, we're talking with uh, Ben Winter. He's an author, and we're going to get into all that. But what's the weather like in Denver, Colorado? Whoops, hold on. I need to bring you back online. There we are. So, Ben, tell me, what's the weather like in Denver, Colorado? Ah, it's actually pretty bright and sunny today. So, well, yeah, I don't know. It changes every fifteen minutes, so it's hard to tell. It's 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 <laughs> it going. Be- yeah, I know. It it Denver Denver is a great place, but it can be thirty degrees and snowing on Tuesday, and it can be seventy five and sunny on Wednesday. Exactly. So I, right now it. it- <laughs> It was cloudy this morning. It could be clear and sunny right now. So, <laughs> really cool. Ben Winter is uh, our guest for the entire uh, hour that what we've got to, together here, and he is um, an amazing guy. And and I really, I really mean that sincerely because you do one of the one of my most favorite things in the entire world, and that's improvisational, uh, improvisational drama, improvisational theater. You have your own company, or you had your own company, I think, before COVID. Still, still exists. It still exists in the land of COVID. Um, that that would be a, a wonderful uh, uh, improvisational skit to do, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, everybody, everybody have to stay on opposite sides of the stage, <laughs> and you can have three people in the audience because everybody, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Ho- hopefully, this will all end, and you can go back to doing improv because I think improvisational art and improvisational theater is the coolest thing in the world because it really makes you th- think on your feet and be able to make decisions quickly and with purpose. Don't you think? Oh yeah, I I am mostly myself when I'm on stage performing improv, and it's just, I absolutely love it. Um, it's such freedom, so I definitely want to get back there as soon as possible. So, what about it is freeing for you? Most people I, would be terrified. Oh, you know when I when I first thought of the concept of taking some improv classes, there was this thought of you know I'm not funny enough, I'm not smart enough not quick enough and you know all the all the reasons why not and when i finally got to a class the first thing that guy said was like if you follow the rules of improv you'll be fine um it's when you don't follow the rules of improv that nothing works and i was like well i can follow rules what are these rules you speak of he went over some basic rules of improv and then we started to kind of play with it and the the freedom i found up on stage was I could screw up and it would be fine. I could be brilliant and it would be fine. It was like, there was no wrong answer at that point. And I think most of my life growing up, it was like, well, no, that's the wrong answer. Nope. That's the wrong answer. Or yeah, that's the right answer. And so finding that freedom on stage to whatever happens, happens. It's the right answer. There's no wrong answer. 
And either you flop and everybody laughs or you're brilliant and everybody laughs, you know, either way. And it's just, there's so much freedom to that. <laughs> so that's where I found it. It's just, could just be myself for a change and not worry about the outcome. It is, it is a lot more freeing than being on stage with the script. Because if you screw up on stage with the script, nobody knows where you're going, and no, and it could it could be really it turn into a really bad situation pretty quickly if you if you don't know your lines. But yeah, it, and that's where improv helps out too, because when you're doing script, and either you fall off your script or somebody else does, that those improv skills can get everybody back online. So it exactly. helps out. Exactly. I, I have I have to tell you one story because when in my youth I was an actor and you'll appreciate this. Um, we were doing um, uh, Fiddler on the Roof. It okay. was it was the dinner show, and so there were three hundred people in the auditorium, and uh, I was Lazar Wolf the Butcher, and scene four is a uh, scene called To Life where Lazar uh, asks uh, Tevia for for Zidal's hand in marriage and so forth, and then they have this great big dance scene and all that. And uh, <coughs> I'm uh, at the beginning of the scene, I'm before the curtains are opening, and you can hear the rustle of the people on the other side. It was a really cool moment because you're, you're there and you're prepared and, and you're ready to go, and, and I had a watch in my hand, and, and I was all ready to go. Well, what I was supposed to do in the blocking, which is I was supposed to turn to my right, and over at the bar would be uh, a guy by the name of Reb Tevia. And Reb Tevia is supposed to be behind the bar, and then I'm supposed to say, Reb Tevia! A bottle of your best brandy. <laughs> because then I'm going to serve it to Tevia because I'm going to ask for his wife or for his daughter's hand in marriage. And so I turned around and I looked and there was nobody there. And the uh, stage hand who had his, it was his job to raise the curtain. He was the director of the nighttime group, so he was very well experienced. And so he was standing there. The curtain was still closed. And I said, hey, hey, Rep Tevi is not there. And the man got the most wicked look on his face and smiled at me and raised the curtain. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it, it was like, <laughs> I got you. And, and so... Um, I, what had happened was Reb Tebby was still in the green room because the scene before was a beautiful song. I forget which one it was, but it was a beautiful song. And he was just zoning out. That was such a beautiful song. So at the top of my lungs, I yelled out, Reb Tebby! And you could hear this, this man running down the side of the theater. <laughs> And everything, everything turned out fine, but but it was one of those moments that if I didn't have the presence of mind that that improvisation taught me, I would have just like failed miserably. But I I was prepared, I was to think on my feet and to come up with some way of making it work. And improv taught me that. And yeah, was, that's awesome. I could have done so many fun things with that moment. <laughs> oh, oh. That, 
that's brilliant. I love that he just smiled and opened it anyway. <laughs> he, 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 has, he had a sadistic sense of humor that way. And if he could get you, if he could get you to what they call go up on a scene, oh, he would took great pleasure in, in causing you to lose your lines or whatever. But, but it gives you improv, as you know, gives you a lot of confidence. It teaches you a lot of stuff and it teaches you a lot about life too. And, oh, absolutely. And you, I, I have, I have to share a fun story too on, on the whole acting thing. Cause um, so one of the guys that I've acted with in the past is also in my improv troupe and he's one of the most brilliant improv actors I've ever played with. But um, we were doing Shakespeare's Tempest, I believe. And part of where he was blocked was right by one of the, um, by the side. So it was right by one of the curtains and I wasn't on stage. So I was behind there. And he was having this one-on-one scene with the the lady. I mean, they were like the two, they were the couple basically. And I was in the back behind while they were doing their lines. And I was like, don't, don't screw up. Don't forget your lines. (laughs) And he just kind of like, he put his hand down so nobody else could see it. And he was flipping me off. So I'm like the stage hand who's like trying to screw with people. Well, and that 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 just it, it's just beautiful the way that that worked out. So was he able to uh, complete his lines and and oh, get yeah. through he, it? He he did his part brilliantly. <laughs> and then and... afterwards, he came out and he's like, "Dude, <laughs> he was he wasn't angry, but it was it was very funny when he came backstage. <laughs> he, he was able to do his lines and flip you off at the same time. Exactly, he, he could multitask." Yeah, it's improv, man. You just take what comes. That <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it really it really works really well. So you you're an improv actor and you've got your own troupe. What else do you do with your life, young man, besides being an author? Oh my goodness. Uh, so part of what I do is I teach improv, not necessarily for stage, uh, but as you kind of mentioned a little bit there, is that you know we improvise every moment of every day of our lives. And the same rules that apply to stage improv apply to life in general. And so I've kind of taken that approach and and am teaching uh, those improv skills for life and typically in the corporate world for like team building and things that will help the, the corporate culture and all those sort of things. But um, the people that I've had take a class just for personal reasons have absolutely loved it. They take it home. They've created better relationships with their families and it's just a beautiful thing for people to realize that, you know, one of the rules of improv is, you know, be present. You got to be in the moment. And when you're in the moment, nothing else matters. You're just, you're focused on what's happening. And if you're, as you said, you were on stage, you had the the frame of mind, the wherewithal in that moment of what exactly was happening. And you're like, okay, this is happening. Let's do it. Rather than going into some weird like mental freak out stage where you start to paralyze yourself. And now you're just standing in the stage with the curtains up and everybody's staring at you. So <laughs> which, yeah. which would have been the absolute <laughs> that's worse than death. If you're standing up there and all these people are being entertained and they hope to be entertained <laughs> and you're standing there going, ah, uh, ah, uh, I don't know. It, it, yeah. you know it, it, it doesn't work. It just, it would be awful. Yeah. And when somebody forgets their line on stage, you know, it's it's really nice to be able to guide them to their line through improv. So exactly. um, But, you know, in life, it's it's no different. If you come across somebody you've never met before 
and you know they they go in one direction that you're not used to that maybe they're getting belligerent or angry at the situation if you just kind of accept what is and say okay this guy's going there um and i'm here and this is what's going on let me respond accordingly uh, rather than just stand there and like uh unless that's the appropriate action because if you just stand there and let them do their thing maybe that's a better but i tell you if if you as a and i applaud what you do because if you are going to be a sales guy you have to learn to think on your feet you have to be able to talk to a cook as well as a vice president at the, at the and get your point across with either one you got to have composure and you have to do that in speaking in general, whether it's to the Cub Scout troop or to the uh, corporate guys or whatever. You've got to have uh, a presence of mind about you. How do you teach that to, 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 to stay in the moment and have that presence of mind? I, I mean, the reality is it's practice. So you can, you can cr- provide the rules and the education around why these rules exist and how they're utilized. At the same time, you have to practice those on a daily basis uh, to to really get good at it. But if you have that starting point of saying, you know, like what the most common improv rule you'll ever hear is the yes and rule. So when anybody says, oh, yeah, I know a rule of improv, and you're like, what is it? They're like, yes, and I'm like, perfect. You know, pretty much the main one. Um, and yes, and really just equates to, yes, this is what's going on. This is the situation I'm in. And what am I going to do about it? Um, you know, a lot of people live in the no, but scenario, which is like, no, I can't accept what's going on and shouldn't be this way. And, you know, I'm, I, uh, uh, it's called denial and denial doesn't get anywhere. So, uh, you know, any program that's ever existed, like AA, people are like, you have to accept where you are. Uh, you have to accept that you're an addict and you have to move on from there and take it day by day or moment by moment. Um, any psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever, when they're working with somebody, you have to accept this is where you are and this is what you're feeling. And then you can move on from there. And so everywhere in life, you just accept, hey, this is where things are. This is what's going on. And I have a choice now. I can do something different or I can do what I've, I'm used to doing and, you know, go insane, you know, doing the same thing over and over. Uh, but that's the beauty of it is you can practice on a regular basis. Say, OK, I'm talking to the cook. And the cook is not going to understand from a uh, bottom line number perspective. They want to know how it's going to improve their working situation. They don't care about the bottom line because they're making nothing um, on the line, right? So they don't care about bottom line. That's the least of their worries. How can it make their job better? At the other end, you know, you talk to the vice president. Yeah, what's the bottom line? How much am I? How much money am I going to save or make as a result of your widget and service? So, have you thought about going into food service sales? I think you'd be awesome. <laughs> I mean, I've been in sales for many, many, many years now, so yes, probably indeed. whatever. <laughs> so now, let me ask you: um, You've written a book, and you actually you've written a couple of books. What was the first book's title again? The first book is Living Unscripted, which is basically what we're talking about here, which is um, and then. I'll just I'll hold it up because they have it right here. Yeah, Living unscripted. Well, and you've got several books that are improv, marriage, improv, relationship, in, improv, a bunch of stuff, right? 
Yeah, so it's basically the same book, Living Unscripted, but like Relationships Unscripted really focuses on relationships in general. Um, I have one that's Business Unscripted, which kind of obviously is for business and and so on. So, um, you know, don't buy all five. Just pick the one that's <laughs> <laughs> you can, that, you, that fits with what you need exactly but now you've yeah. written you've written a new book which i would like to spend yes. some time talking about and it's all about expectations what what led you to start thinking about expectations so when i started teaching the improv it came out through um there's a rule in improv called be specific and in that be specific is a, a discussion about expectations, setting expectations. Um, and the realization came out at one point that the only reason anybody gets upset is because an expectation hasn't been met. And so I really started to explore that. I'm like, well, is that true? And I started going through every reason somebody would get upset. And I was like, yeah, there's an expectation there. And, you know, if somebody proves me wrong, great. By all means, prove me wrong. Um, but I haven't yet found that so uh i was like okay that's a cool statement uh, a cool truth what do i do with it and so i created this flowchart of you know the moment when you're upset and how it relates to expectations and you know figuring out hey did i know i had the expectation is it reasonable so on and so forth and then i was like okay but in all these little spots on the on the flowchart where you say no or you say yes um, especially the no's. Like, did you know you had an expectation? No. There's so much depth in the word no right there. And so I decided I needed to write a book about it. And so the book really dives into expectations, where they came from, why we have them, um, and what to do when you find yourself upset and moving through that process and and ultimately coming to utilize expectations in a good way and using those moments of upset as growth opportunities to find happiness and peace. So that's the, that's the story. Well, that's a big story right there. Cause that's because yeah. I, you know, I hadn't heard it put that way. So uh, let's delve into that a little bit. So if I'm, if, if I'm expecting, let's see, uh, what's a good example? Uh, oh, I know. <laughs> no, I can't use that. I'll use this. <laughs> if I'm expecting to come home from work, that I've been at for 10 hours, and my expectation is dinner will be ready and the house will be cleaned. And, okay. those, and those expectations are not met. I get angry. Probably, yeah. So would it be – so because my ex expectations weren't met, I'm angry at her and it's her fault, but I'm the one who had the expectations. Yeah, and so that's that moment in time where you get to say, well – did I know I had that expectation? Okay. In this case, yes, you knew you had it. Is it reasonable? Um, you know, and, and maybe she works 10 hours a day, so maybe it's not reasonable, but if she's a stay at home wife or whatever, maybe it is reasonable. And then it's like, have you shared that expectation with the other person? Um, no, I never shared it. I just assumed that because she was home, she would take care of all these things. Right. That's where that breakdown comes in. And then that, that displays, the portion at which you're responsible and what you did or did not do to create the result that you have. And so if you come to that point in the flowchart or reading the book or whatever, where you say, I never communicated that expectation, then there's no way you can be upset at the other person. The only person you can be upset with now is yourself saying, ah, 
I failed at communication. I failed to share my expectation. And then once, you know, maybe you did share the expectation, but then there's the question, did she agree to it? Uh Did she have another expectation of her own? You know, and that's where like negotiation comes in. Okay, well, this is my expectation. Well, this is my expectation. Okay, so where's the middle ground? What can we agree on? Um, Because if she says, well, I can have dinner ready, but the house isn't going to be clean, you can be like, okay, that's fine with me. You know, that, and that's where the negotiation factor comes in. And, you know, it goes back to this thing we like to call communication, which uh, we all currently just suck at nowadays. <laughs> that's because, as a society, that's because we're too busy. <laughs> yeah. It's like, now, what do you mean this text doesn't suffice? It doesn't share enough information like, you know, body language and inflection. So, yeah. Now we suck at communication lately. <laughs> I can't believe that. My son doesn't know how to use a telephone. He's 30 years old. <laughs> I keep trying to tell him that if he uses the telephone and talks to me, I can get an idea of what's actually going on in his head that a text doesn't help, that right. a, a text doesn't work. And he's, and his response to me is, yeah, but I can t- text and he used to do this when he was dating i i could text three or four girls at the same time and having these conversations and uh nobody would know anything about them so that's why i don't talk on the phone it's like it's like good lord (laughs) and it it is but you're right communication is body language it's it's communication it's 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 all kinds of things rolled up there as an example if i came home and said why isn't dinner ready and why isn't the house cleaned and i could look by your body language that if i didn't shut up i was never going to get sex again for the rest of my life <laughs> she would right she would it's like never mind never mind i'm good, right, I'm good. Fine. <laughs> let's go out hey pizza i like pizza let's have pizza <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's one of those one of those one of those weird things, but but expectations, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, every situation that you have, if you start analyzing what your expectations are, what the expectations of the other person were, if you communicate, if, if, that's pretty that's pretty brilliant. Where did you learn this? It all came from just exploring the statement of the only reason anybody gets upset is because an expectation hasn't been met. And I really just stuck with it. I broke it down. I was on, I was standing in a whiteboard. I'm like, okay, you're upset. What happened? Like, what do we do? What do I do with that? And it really, the first and absolute thing is just to start with, did I know I had this expectation? And I would say 90% of the time, we don't even know we had the expectation. And it's something that we grew up with and we saw when we were growing up as the norm and so as we grow up with our norm when we become adults we expect the same thing from every other adult because why weren't they raised the same way and that's when we start you know and i'd say in college when we first start socializing with people away from our parents i'd say in school as well you start to see kids and other people do it differently it's like when you when your kid comes home from school and says well Dave has a phone. Why don't I, you know, or, or Dave has a bigger house than us or, you know, what, whatever the thing is, right. you know, Dave has led a different life than, 
than your child. And so now it becomes this questioning of what's, what's really, what, what's reality? What, what am I supposed to think and feel? Um, but as adults, we grow up and we become that parent. And how do we learn how to parent from the way we were parented? Which and is sometimes we'll say, well, I don't want to do it the way my parents did it. So I'm going to actively make a choice to do it differently. But then every now and then you're going to get upset and you're going to react just like your parents did. And you'll be like, who the hell? Was, why is my mom coming out right now? Well, it's because <laughs> you grew up being parented by your mom. I mean, it's that's the way it is. Um, so, I mean, that first part of just knowing, you know, did I know I had this expectation can be huge. Because when you start to explore where that expectation comes from, you can also choose to decide at that moment, is that expectation reasonable in my life? Do I want to have it? as a regular expectation or do I want to make a different choice with it? And that is, that's personal growth right there. That's, that's it. <laughs> that, that is it. Because if you can, if you can stop and, and look at your motivation for why you are feeling the way you are, and then looking at the expectation that you have put out there that may or may not be reasonable and, and stuff, and then, then it causes you to step back and to think just a little bit. I think a little exactly. bit more. That's that's pretty. That that really is cool. You should. You know, I have an idea. Why don't you write a book about that? <laughs> I th I, th I okay. think that I, I think that book would sell. I think I think it could be really <laughs> done. I'm all done. <laughs> it's amazing. It's a miracle. Because I'm not, I think it could be very very helpful, and it will it will be very helpful for folks if they if they want to learn how to analyze their own selves in the moment because that's really mm -hmm. what you're doing isn't it yeah i <clears throat> i like to approach it this way in, in that einstein said you can't solve a problem at the same level it was created so my interpretation and, and i shouldn't say it's just mine but um, one interpretation is that you can't solve an emotional problem emotionally and this flowchart, this book, that's a mental approach to solving an emotional issue. You know, some people will get upset and they'll go work out. Other people will get upset and they'll go pray or meditate. Um, some people will, you know, start writing a list. They'll do something that's not an emotional response to solve the issue. And so all I did was create a, a mental, um, I'm going to say checklist or approach to solving an emotional problem. So that's really that's really just how I went with it. So, so now when you, when you put your uh, flow chart together, does it, is it like at the top, it's like, okay, I'm pissed. And then, and then you have, <laughs> did you have an expectation? And yes, no, no. And, and is it, does it go like that all the way down the, oh, oh yes, it does. My, 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 <laughs> look at that. <laughs> yeah. It is a flowchart. It's and it starts at the top with you're upset and did you know you had the expectation, and it just kind of moves along from there. And I, I I think if you just start to realize first and foremost that most of the time we didn't even know we had the expectation, you can stop right there, and because if you didn't know you had the expectation, you couldn't have possibly shared it with anyone else, and there's no way anybody else can meet your expectation if you don't communicate it. Now that's just damn too damn logical for some of us, because we, we want to be pissed and we want to be angry because it feels good to be angry at somebody sometimes, because it's got to be their fault. And uh, but if the way the way you're describing this, if you're not laying out your expectations 
and communicating them properly, which, by the way, nobody does, then it, you, it's hard to get mad at anybody for anything because you're at the base, you're at the core of it. Yeah. You're at the core of your one of the One of the concepts in personal growth is the victim responsive, responsible mentalities. And victim isn't like, okay, you were in a back alley and you were raped. Yes, you're a victim of rape. Um, but the responsible aspect of all this is in that situation is, you know, you were responsible for leaving the house. You were responsible for going to that area of town. You were responsible for being out at that particular time. So you played a role. Now, should it have happened? Absolutely not. It's the most horrible thing I can possibly think of. Well, I can think of worse, but, um, you know, the victim mentality thing is more of like the victim is you did this to me and responsible is I took these actions that led to the situation that I'm in. Um, and so expectations are no different. I'm upset because I had an expectation and did I do my part? And that part is knowing the expectation, sharing that expectation, coming to an agreement with that expectation and so on and so forth. Um, so if you take it from the victim responsible standpoint, I'm upset. It must be your fault. That's victim. You're not going to solve anything. You're not going to grow as a person. You're just going to be blaming other people. Whereas you come from a responsible standpoint, I had the expectation. Now I can explore it. I can go inward. I can see what I know or think and figure out what I can do differently going forward. That's the responsible role. That's personal growth. And it's hard for people, especially the whole, you know, sharing those expectations with others because it's, it's scary because what if they don't agree? What if they think you're crazy and now they, they leave? So you share this expectation with a loved one or a friend, and now all of a sudden they're not your friend or a loved one anymore. It's like, that's a scary thought for a lot of people. Uh, but at the same time, if you practice and they're, and you're together with somebody who actually wants to grow as a person, you're going to have a great conversation. You're going to find that middle ground and it's going to be very freeing. Um, another way of looking at it is setting boundaries. You know, a lot of times people are like, well, my friends walk all over me or they, they always ask for things, but I never get anything in return. Well, if, if you set boundaries to say that's not cool with me, then either you're going to find friends that agree with your boundaries or those friends that have been like moving past your boundaries without you sharing them are going to say, oh, my bad. I'm sorry. I didn't know I was putting you out. How can I make it up to you? So boundaries, expectations, it's, it's all the same stuff. Well, and, and it's necessary because if you make agreements with people and it's not clear as to what the agreement is and to who's responsible for what, then people can get mad at each other without any basis in reality because, mm -hmm. because they're not being clear about what's, what's being expected of them and what the expect, what each person's expectations are. Yeah, because if you just say we're all going to work on this project, everybody has their own set of expectations that they bring to the table. So to your point, if they don't talk about them and come to an agreement about who's doing what, somebody's going to be upset later. Yeah, it's 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 like in even in a in a, a relationship, marriage, especially a marriage setting, when when the uh, bloom is off the rose, as it were, after a certain little while, when, when it's not, when you then are facing the business of living and how you're going to manage your house, 
how you're going to manage, who's going to do what and stuff. You need to have clear expectations as to who's going to do what, who's going to be responsible for, I don't know, doing the laundry and, and folding it, you know, doing, doing just those things. And if you don't have those discussions, then that can leave. Or, or I, the last hour I was talking to, to, to a gal about money. If you don't have clear expectations about how you're going to manage your finances as a couple, as a household, as a unit, it can cause an enormous amount of trouble in your marriage. Yeah, if, if I'm not mistaken, that's the number one reason for a divorce is money. That's what she said. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> you, you two both said it. It must be true. Because you're the, you're you gotta talk about these things, <laughs> yeah. but but if you don't have the so so I I love I love the uh, so where can people pick up the book? Can they get it from your website as well as Amazon? Yeah, I mean, if you go to havingexpectations.com, you can download the flowchart, print it up, put it on your fridge at home, on your computer, whatever. Um, but yeah, there's there's links to the Amazon uh, book. There's links to Amazon for the book on the website as well. So it's probably just easiest to go to havingexpectations.com. How long How long has the book been out now? I feel like it's just over a year now. How's it, how's it been doing? You know, I've gotten some sales and randomly from places I never expected. So it, it's really funny when you start looking at the reports on the back end. You're like, somebody from Australia bought my book. And you're like... <laughs> that's awesome uh i think somebody from japan bought my book i was just like okay that's cool like people around the world are finding my book somehow so it's cool because because people are and this this as an example this podcast goes around the world as as a matter of as a matter of fact today i had two people from russia listening i'm pretty sure they're in jail now but they were listening (laughs) earlier today (laughs) Don't you listen to the Americans? <laughs> sorry, Don't sorry. Do it. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I didn't mean that. They're not in jail. No, um, but uh, um, so so people people have the same needs all over the world, and this this see for my little pea brain, this makes perfect sense. Uh, so yeah. I, I I can get that. And uh, um, do you ever have trouble when? Do you ever do couples counseling or anything, or or show this book to a couple and and have one person get it and the other one go? Oh, I don't understand what you're talking about. All right, okay, got another beer? Can I have a beer? Do you do you have? That? I- I have not done couples counseling. I think it would be a riot. I would obviously have to keep a straight face, but I think it would be really fun to interact with a couple around this. Um, but I have had people who specifically like they've put this on their fridge. They've come back six months later. Like I use it every day. <laughs> it's like right on. Cool. That's the point of it. Well, get them to write down a, a, um, um, a, 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 uh, uh, a review. Review, uh, yes. uh, yeah, a review of the book, and then and then you go put it on the website and all of that because I think it can be really helpful if people are interested in actually, uh, I don't know, uh, like listening to each other. I, it mm-hmm. could be really helpful. Yeah, it's it's amazing what happens when you actually communicate with people. Um, you get a lot more done. You you you, you think, and <laughs> I, you know, but. but <laughs> But, and but it's also, I mean, and that's where, you know, the improv skills come in because part of improv is is effective communication. Um, you know, if you're on stage with somebody and, and you've, you're you doing a scene about something you've never done about because the audience suggested a word, uh, you have to 
actively communicate. And, you know, it's body language, it's listening, it's being present. There's so many things to communication. Uh, because if, you know, if we're sitting here having this conversation and I'm thinking about, okay, at 3.30, I've got to go do that. And I have this phone call later. And, oh, there's laundry. i got to feed my kid later. You know, if I'm thinking about all those things, this conversation would be really weird and awkward. And you would have ended it like 15 minutes ago saying this guy is not present for this conversation. You know, and in life, how often are we sitting there talking to somebody and they're sitting there on their phone? Huh? Uh-huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. they're not listening i just they're... want to slap people who do that that's just, yeah. that's just rude and so you know you, you start talking to somebody who's sitting there on their phone and then they don't do what you asked guess what he, you weren't communicating effectively you know you might have said exactly what they needed to do and they might have said uh-huh but they didn't agree to it because they weren't present so you know it's there's so much to communication and so Part of what I teach is communication skills, as well as kind of diving more into expectations if if the if the need arises. But yeah, just get just communicate better as a as a culture, and we're not going to be in some of the situations that we're in. You know what the coolest thing about all that is is that if you have if you have if you have clear expectations. And they and the other person say it's a, a potential. You guys have been dating. It's been hot, 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 hot. And you think you want to take it to the next step. So you sit down and have that conversation, which every couple should have that conversation about uh, expectations. What are you expecting of me? What am I expecting of you? And stuff. And 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 the expectations that you have, and she and you're clear, and she can't meet those, and she's and you can't meet hers. Then. It's best for you guys to shake hands and part ways at that moment rather than go get married, have 2.5 kids, have a, have a house and, and, and then, and, and have a dog and a cat and then get divorced because you haven't been clear about your expectations. Uh, so yeah. I, I applaud your work. I think it's great. I, I will say one of the, one of the pleasant things about online dating and, you know, there's not many these days, but, um, on some of those apps, you actually can say like, yes, I want to have kids someday. And no, I don't want to have kids someday. Like right there, you'd be like, well, she's not for me. Pfft, move on. Yeah, check that off. And so a lot of those dating apps will have those expectations laid out, like the big ones. Like I'm a non-smoker. Smoking is a, that's a deal breaker. You know, you want to have kids. That's a deal breaker. You know, you want somebody who's the same religion as you. Well, that's a deal breaker. You know, you can set a lot of expectations in those dating apps. And then you don't have to have those conversations after things are super hot and amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, back in the day you met somebody at a restaurant, you were hooked up by your family or whatever. You had to have those awkward conversations like, Oh, do you want to have kids someday? Well, no. Oh, I really liked you. <laughs> Hi. Yeah. Uh, I really want kids. And, and yeah, it's like, no, um, it's, it's, by the way, we've been talking with Ben, winter go to his website which again is having expectations.com and pick up the book what to expect when having expectations using anger uh using the anger of and that's all i got so what's the rest of it oh <laughs> using the anger of unmet expectations to find a peace and i think that if you do it right you will find peace yeah i i mean it's a practice just like anything else uh you know i've I don't get nearly as upset with traffic now as I used to because uh, it's completely unreasonable for me to have the expectation that everybody knows how to drive. So, 
I mean, I don't know why they all had to take a driving test, but I also know that when you're 16 and taking a driving test, you really don't care. You just want the license. So, <laughs> yeah. Or, or, or when you're 90 and, and you get a license and you haven't, you haven't been inside the DMV in like 30 years and they right. still give you a license when you're 90. Um, <laughs> sorry, mom. I didn't mean that. <laughs> My expectations are that you can drive still. So anyway, um, but. <laughs> Ben Winter has been our guest, and I want to thank you very much, young man. It's been a pleasure. Will you come back? Absolutely. It was great. It was yeah. great to have you. And uh, do you have another book in you, by the way? I'm working on one now. It's uh, I don't remember if I've come up with a title. I don't think I have, but it's it's about the different perceptions that people have. Um, you know, if we look at, at society today, there's, you know, Democrat and Republican. And they're, each side has a view on how things should be. And the interesting thing, when you really start to look at it objectively, how somebody was raised, what their view is on life isn't wrong. Um, even if it's wrong to the other person, it's not wrong in general. It's more... You know, they were raised and this is how things are supposed to be. So it kind of goes back to expectations a little bit. And when they don't see life looking like that, they start to freak out because they don't want to be wrong. And so a lot of people are in this fight of you're wrong. No, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. Well, okay, stop. Both of you are wrong and both of you are right. Um, but it's a matter of coming to understanding and agreement Um finding that middle ground because, you know, for some things that are subjective, like the taste of strawberries, there's no right or wrong. Some people like strawberries, some don't. It's not wrong if you don't like strawberries. Uh, it, you might be the minority, but, you know, <laughs> or, or whatever. When you were a kid, you had a strawberry that was not quite ripe and was real sour and tasted like crap, you're going to believe that every strawberry from then on is going to taste like crap. Exactly. So we don't know how somebody was raised or how they grew up. So telling them that they're wrong isn't going to solve anything. But sitting down with them and saying, you know, why do you think the way that you think? Or why do you feel the way that you feel? Um, and I actually just got part of my book today from somebody I was talking with. It says, are you happy? It's a great question. You know, believing what you believe, does that make you happy? Well, no, it doesn't. All right, well, let's talk. Or do you want to talk? Let's talk. Because somebody might believe something and they're not happy. And then once you talk with them, they'll be like, well, yeah, I never felt right to be angry at a group of people because of their skin color. Well, why are you then? Because uh, that's how I was raised. Okay, well, do you want to try something different? You know, and it's it can be just that simple of, having that patience, that understanding, that compassion and willingness to just listen to somebody that'll get them to change their mind, telling them that they're wrong, telling them to do something different. They're going to battle you forever because nobody wants to be wrong. So that's the kind of, that's the book I'm working on. Uh, and hopefully I'll have it done sometime this year. <laughs> well, when you get it done, you have to come back and we have to talk about it because, because uh, as long yeah. as see, from my perspective, as long as people are willing to say, I'm willing to give up hate, division, and fear to get along with other people and, and operate life in a positive way and, and to really try and understand somebody else's point of view. 
I'll work with anybody. But if they say, no, God damn it, I really like hate division and fear, and I like causing fear for you, and I hate your ass, and I don't want to be anywhere near you. I don't know if I can work with those people. Yeah, well, I don't want to be around them either. But but if the opportunity came up to where we could have a civil conversation and come to some level of understanding, uh, you know, even if it just opens a door to show them that there's something on the other side, you know, whether they stick their head through or not is up to them. But uh, a lot of times we just close the door, slam it shut and say, see, you're wrong. Well, I can't see anything, but you're telling me I'm wrong. So, you know, we got to come out from a different approach because clearly anger and hate doesn't work. <laughs> no, it never has, never will. And, and, um, and, but I appreciate you, young man, you, you're on the right track. And, uh, uh not only are you a, a great improvisational actor, but you are going to be a, a, you're a wonderful human being too. And I appreciate you. I really Thank do. You. And I appreciate uh, the time. You betcha. Well, you, you got to go cause you got another appointment coming up here real quick. So, <laughs> I, but, but Ben, Ben, we need to have you back. So go to his website, which again is having expectations.com. And we've been talking with Ben Winter. Everybody, you know, you take care of yourselves. All right. We'll see you next time. All right. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.